Uh, is this thing still on? It's been a while. This show's been on hiatus for a couple of months. I told you that Doug and I were going to put something together, the likes of which you had not ever seen before, and I still plan to do that. But it's not going to happen in the immediate future because I've got bigger things on my plate right now. So what I wanted to do was, well, something. And uh, Doug and I started talking, and he said, Hey, um, hey, remember the Deeper Thought podcast you did a couple of years ago? Doug and I decided that we could go through some of those episodes. Over the next several weeks, several months, you're going to get access to what you previously weren't able to. Hopefully, this little provocation will help you sell something that you haven't sold before. And uh, stay tuned for these episodes as they drop week over week. I think you're going to take something away from them. I know you're going to be entertained by them. And uh, I just, I can't wait to talk to you again real soon. My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, rethink the way you sell. Welcome back to the show. My name's Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host, and I'm here to help you rethink the way you sell. Now, season five of this show has been all about the seven steps to sell like you. And the step number four is know your methods. And we've approached the sales process from a methodological standpoint. And say that five times fast, I dare you. Uh, but I want to show you how your methods apply to each step to the sales process. So over the past several episodes, I've gone through prospecting, I've gone through discovery, I've gone through making a presentation or a recommendation, as I pointed out last week. And now I'm going to talk about overcoming these objections in a little bit as those objections relate to negotiating, because there's, there's really a lot of overlap between the two. And I, I love talking about this because it's really a novel approach. You know, a lot of people will approach negotiations or will approach objection handling um, as an adversarial part of the process. I mean, I made a recommendation. What do you mean you don't agree with it? What, what do you mean that um, you, you think the price is too high or the terms aren't right or you're just not in complete alignment with me? How dare you, right? And I think a lot of that mindset comes from a, a transactional sales training or a transactional um, sales superstition, really, as if there is only one right answer. And if you're a seller, you're believing that the only right answer your prospect can give you is yes. So when you hear no, you get inflamed. The hair stands on the back of your neck. You're not um, excited about this or you're excitable in the wrong way. So what happens? Your cortisol spikes through the roof. You get all worked up and you're ready to attack that objection. You're ready to overwhelm that objection, not just overcome it. And that's the way a lot of objection handling is taught. You're, you're treating objection handling and negotiation as if you're negotiating as an FBI hostage negotiator and trying to save someone's life. And despite how good Chris Voss's book is, and despite the immense amount of respect I have for that man and what he does, the problem I have is that approach relates to sellers, is that how are you supposed to have a meaningful relationship after this negotiation if you're approaching them as an adversary during the negotiation? You know, some people, and, and in some industries, it's just fighting, tooth, fang, claw, whatever it takes. And then we'll try to shake hands and, you know, make up through gnashed teeth at the deal table when things are finally signed and delivered. But 
I just, that's never appealed to me. And quite frankly, it is a vast majority of salespeople out there who it, it, that doesn't appeal to at all. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to make customers for life, not customers for the week or the month or the quarter. I'm not trying to get every penny out of every negotiation that I can and to the point where, you know, it feels like the other party is opposed to me or, or really isn't encouraged to continue to do work with, uh, with me or, or for me. Look, we, once we get to the point where the deal is signed, that's when our work stops or starts rather. That's not where it stops. And I think we have to be careful about how short-sighted we tend to be when it comes to objection handling and then as it moves into negotiations. So what is it we're trying to accomplish here? Obviously, we've got two points of view. One is the seller, one is the buyer. We need to make sure that those line up and the expectations are clear. Otherwise, the deal won't work. So when an objection comes up, it means there's a lack of understanding. It means there's a lack of clarity. I mean, so there are a couple of things that need to be discussed that haven't quite been discussed yet. And, you know, I just got off a call literally uh, half an hour ago uh, where, you know, one of the proposals that are one of the points that I made in a proposal just didn't sit well with them. And he, he, this gentleman said, well, I'm not quite sure how I feel about this, you know, this time limit, this, this minimum here. What, what does this really mean? And, you know, he brought that to me. And since I wasn't in an adversarial mode, since I was in a place where I could keep my head where my feet are, more on that in a couple of minutes, I was able to explain to him where I was coming from and how he didn't need to be alarmed by that. I said, yeah, six-month minimum. That's really, I'm not going to lock you into a bulletproof contract here. I just wanted to set the expectation that the project's probably going to take six months or more. And if that's not something that you're prepared to handle, then we may need to cut discussions off at this point. All of a sudden, his shoulders went down. <laughs> he became more relaxed. I was relaxed the whole time. And we could meet in the middle. That really not meeting in the middle, just our expectations with one another were now aligned. Now, let me ask you, when an objection comes up, is that the peace of mind or the presence of mind that you have? Is that something that you can calmly approach? Or have you been trained that anytime a price negotiation comes up, you say X. And anytime a terms negotiation comes up, you say Y. And on and on and on. I think one of the key components, and I told you I'd come back to this, is being mindful of your situation, being present in your situation, making sure your head is where your feet are. Anytime you lose your mindfulness, anytime you lose your presence in that moment, you disconnect from that moment and you also disconnect from your prospect. What do I mean by that? When someone says something to you, when a prospect gives you an objection and you disconnect from your current situation, your current conversation, and go into the recesses of your mind to try to recall exactly what you were supposed to say in that moment, you've just pulled yourself out of your present moment and you have removed yourself from the discussion almost entirely. You may feel like your prospect doesn't notice. But when all of a sudden you go from speaking in real time to something that has clearly been rehearsed, they feel that. It breaks that connection. And you cannot afford to break that connection with your prospect. So what do you do? 
Well, you need to be more mindful. You need to be more present. You need to be less rehearsed and more comfortable with standing up for yourself in the conversation, maintaining your own boundaries in the conversation, making sure that you're looking for a win-win when it comes to objection handling, and also making sure that that objection is coming from a place that is going to do them good. Here's the thing that most people don't train you on when it comes to objection handling. Instead of going to a pre-canned, predetermined response, assuming that the prospect is incorrect or that the prospect is coming from uh, a, the, the wrong place in their head, what if you actually just reminded them of what you're both there discussing, right? I'm going to get into my framework here in a minute, and I'm probably foreshadowing a little too much here, but I just want to get this, this point home that the more you go to pre-rehearsed talk tracks, the more you not only try to sell like someone else, but the more you break that connection between where you are with them in this current moment and where you should be because you have to recall or, or remember some phrase that someone trained you to say, the more damage you're doing to the process, the more damage you're doing to your own credibility and to your results. So stay present, stay mindful, be you where you are, and you will be shocked at how much more effective you are as it relates to handling these types of situations. So I've got a framework that I want to share with you. I've shared this a couple of times um, in some webinars. I've shared it um, with, uh, I do some, some training and some featured speaking for uh, Sales Assembly and, and their uh, account executives in, in their, well, in their account executive certification as well as in their SDR, BDR certification. They love this module. So I was happy to have a place in this podcast in, in season five here to show you uh, what I'm talking about and tell you about it. And uh, I'm going to do that right now. And the framework is really simple. You know, I like to say you have two ears and one mouth, and that's simple math. And so if you would just use those two ears, um, you will be a lot more successful. Um, but the framework is actually called ear. And it's a three simple steps. The first letter in uh, the uh, abbreviation here is uh, called ego. It's e for ego. And by ego, I mean check it. Remember when I gave you that example earlier about how most people, when they get an objection, their cortisol spikes through the roof, they get all worked up and they're inflamed and they're ready to overwhelm that objection. No, 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 no. Stay calm. Check your ego. When you check your ego and you keep yourself from getting too riled up, you're also keeping your prospect from getting too riled up. You know, that's that, that old adage of, you know, calmer heads prevailing you know, let's let's not even get the get hot headed about this, right? Let's keep our cool when it relates to this. You're going to get objections. There are going to be things that people disagree with. By nature of what you're doing as a professional seller, particularly in a B2B setting where you need to be the trusted advisor, you are probably going to be showing them things that they haven't thought about. You're probably going to be insisting that they think differently about things, that they change their mind and the way that they approach the problem that they're trying to solve. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of friction there. Now, I'm not saying you need to be overly confrontational, but you do have to be okay with a little bit of conflict, with a little bit of disagreement. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Get used to that. Be okay with that. But also trust 
that it's not going to escalate into something that's going to be physically harmful, hopefully not mentally harmful. Be Embrace yourself. Be prepared for a little bit of conflict because that's that conflict is where progress comes from. If they agreed with everything that you're saying, you're probably not teaching them anything, which means you're probably not helping them with anything. So keep that in mind as you go forward. Check your ego because ego in the way here does not help at all. The second part of the acronym is A for acknowledge their issue. This has to do with just our human need to be validated, right? I need you to know that the objection you brought to me is valid. I see where you're coming from. No, I don't think you need to worry about it. And here's why. But I see where you're coming from. That's valid. You can restate it. You can repeat it to them. You can reword it even if you'd like to, just in such a way that they know that you know exactly where you're coming from. But what you want to do here is get it out, out loud, or um, say it out loud rather, and get it out there in the air between you, right? You, you want to restate it so that you understand it. You also want to restate it so that you give them an opportunity to go a little deeper into the issue. Here's where you can ask some more probing questions. Where is that coming from? What are you really concerned about, right? If they bring up price, then say yes. Uh, this is how I, this is funny, actually. <laughs> a little sidestep here. <laughs> People tell me I'm expensive all the time. I say yes and. <laughs> it's like I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I'm expensive. I'm more than some other people are. Um, and I'm worth every penny and then some. It's my job to deliver value on that. It's not your job to try to beat me up on why my rates are higher than you wanted them to be. You know, uh, yes, and yet we're still talking, right? Like, this is not something that I'm not transparent about. But regardless of what that objection is, restate it for them. Acknowledge it, restate it, dig into it a little bit. This is now a topic for conversation, open back and forth conversation, not you, again, repeating some memorized talk track that some expert taught you on a webinar, okay? This is the basis for your discussion. Now, the R part of the acronym is return to the problem. Now, remember when I was talking about the sales process? Remember when I was talking about your sales methods? You know, I always talk about identifying the problem, digging into the problem. We can talk solutions later, but let's dig into the problem. Until you know what the problems really are, and until you dig into those problems in discovery, you really don't know what you're trying to solve for. But anytime something on the surface rears its ugly head in an objection uh, scenario and in a, a negotiation scenario, a, a lot of these objections or negotiating points are brought up by, by our prospects out of rote memory. You know, we train our customers how to buy from us. And for a long time, we've trained them to ask for discounts. We've trained them to, you know, ask for certain things in delivery. So when you return to the problem that is specific to them, you eliminate the objections that they've been taught will work for anybody. When you return to the problem that is specific to them, you eliminate the objections they've been trained to believe will work on anybody. So what have you done? You've brought them back into the present moment, right? By staying in the present moment, you've brought them back into their present moment, which means, no, we're talking about this specifically. Yeah, I know you ask everybody for a discount. Okay, but 
If you underinvest in this solution, you're doing everybody a disservice, right? Let's talk about what we're really trying to solve here. And I know you've got these things that are bugging you, but hold on. Let's not get carried away. Let's not be distracted from the point that we're, from the reason that we're talking here in the first place. So anytime you return to the problem, you reopen the discussion, you reset that playing field, you create an opportunity to be productive in the way you're communicating again, that makes this less about an adversarial objection handling situation or a negotiating table. And it gets you back toward collaborating and working together to solve the problem in the way that only you can help them solve it. So that's my acronym. That's my framework. Ear. Two ears, one mouth. Check your ego. Acknowledge the issue. Return to the problem. You reset the conversation when you do that. And this works in a negotiating con uh, uh, context as well. You know, look, anytime you get something that crosses your boundary, they're asking for something you can't uh, deliver for them. Well, take it right back to the problem. And it's usually something, a reminder about underinvesting in the, uh, in the solution, either financially or with time and energy resources or staffing or, or whatever. You know, anytime there's some kind of negotiation there, you have to reset the conversation. Now, if they make a request that doesn't encroach on your boundaries, then, okay, look for something else to ask for so that they have skin in the game as well. But the, the, the point I continue to try to make here is that objection handling and negotiations are mutual. There's mutual skin in the game. There's mutual collaboration to come to an agreement about the solution for the problem they're trying to solve. This is not complicated, guys. This is not rocket science or not rocket surgery. Who said that? <laughs> like this, this does not need to be any more complicated than you want it to be. And yes, you've got people out there who fancy themselves negotiators. And you've got people out there who, you know, come up with all kinds of objections. And your job is to calm the situation down, tease out all of the aspects of that objection, or that negotiating point, make sure you understand it, make sure they understand that you understand it. If you can come to agreement that that is a reasonable request, then make sure you frame that request in terms of the problem you're both collectively trying to solve. And now through that reality, and look, the truth is undefeated, through the, the, the spotlight of the truth, we can decide what makes sense to move forward or not. Whenever your boundaries are encroached upon and you can't get past that, well, then decide not to get past that. Decide to move on. And hopefully you've done enough work and you've got enough pipeline uh, that you can say no to deals that just don't work for you. Any deal that isn't a win-win automatically becomes a lose-lose on a long enough timeline. Don't set yourself up for that. You're better. You're capable of more. So... Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. This is, I think, a really fun, really malleable framework. It's something that's flexible. You can put yourself into. Everybody can remember that they have two ears and one mouth. But are you using your ears? Are you listening? Are you staying present? Are you staying connected? That's the thing about mindfulness. It's not just some buzzword, you know, for the, the new age community, right? This is about really maintaining that connection with the people you're trying to collaborate with. 
If you can remember that you're working toward a collaboration, you're going to be a step ahead of most people. And if you can maintain that connection in your moment, make sure your head is where your feet are. You're going to find yourself getting a lot further in these discussions with a lot better results on the outcome in the, uh, in, in the long term. So here's my challenge question for you today. Think back to the last couple of negotiations you've had. Think back to the last couple of times you've had to overcome some objections. How good have you been at being mindful and how has that worked for you? Think about that. Do a little homework. Thank you for spending the last 20 minutes or so with me coming back next week with another episode. Thank you for being here. Share this with a friend if they need to hear it. And I'll talk to you again soon. Rethink the Way You Sell is a Pot About It production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson, with music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajoric.